What's up, fam, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers Podcast, episode 53. I am one of your hosts, John Swanson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. AJID. Hello, everybody. And also joining us today, a very special guest. He is a steamed writer of the Book of Eli, a Rogue One, a Star Wars story, lover of chicken and chicken-flavored biscuits, and host of Animal Talking, Mr. Gary Witter. How's it going, Gary? Hello. Thank, I'm good. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, thank you for taking us up on the offer. We very much appreciate you coming on. I know you're a very busy man. I'm happy to do it. Right on. We'll go through the lowdown first. If anybody out there wants to be part of the conversation, or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach out to us at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter, or you can write in to us the old school way, podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Lastly, our website is live at MostlyNormalGamers.com. You can go there and check us out and subscribe to the email list, which we'll have stuff going out here shortly in the near future. With that out of the way, what have y'all been playing? Gary, what have you been playing? I'm guessing The Last uh, of Us 2. We're, we're a few days into uh, The Last of Us Part 2. My wife and I are playing together, and honestly, it's not the kind of game I need in my life right now. I, I, I'm trying to play kind of chill games and games that reduce my, my stress and anxiety levels, not increase them. But, you know, this is the, the game came out when it did. Um, and my original plan was, was, was to not get into it right away. Again, A, because like it's just not the kind of game I feel like I need to be playing right now because, you know, it's such a dark, stressful experience. Um, but also because I was originally planning to just wait for whatever PlayStation 5 you know, remaster enhanced version might be coming down the pipe. But honestly, it's, you know, it's obviously, it, it's such the game of the moment right now and everyone's talking about it. I just don't feel confident that I'm going to be able to dodge spoilers for like six whole months, however long it takes to mm-hmm. play on PlayStation 5. So we, we bit the bullet and we, we dove in and we're, we're a few, I don't know how many hours in, but, you know, we're, we're into it. Right on. Does your wife like watching, playing, watching you play it or enjoy the storyline also? Well, you fell into a bit of a, a bit of a stereotype there, didn't you? Because it's actually me watching my wife play. Yeah, I guess I did, but I know your wife is big on Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I think she has more hours in that game than I do. So she does, um, and she's usually the one driving. Witcher Three, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Origin, and now uh, Last of Us Part Two. She's the one doing all the driving, and I'm. Yeah. I'm watching and saying things like watch out for that guy and <laughs> dark room and stuff like that i did help us solve a puzzle last night so i do i do contribute a little bit but she, right she's on. the one doing the driving that's awesome this uh, game i definitely could okay. just sit back and watch the story i think and be uh perfectly happy just watching someone else play it it's the story is so engrossing yeah, Play, playing it is obviously a whole other level of stress like even just watching my wife play it yeah it's stressful yep. um enough but uh yeah it's like we're a good we're a good team we just got finished playing immediately before that we um had a it took us a long while to get to this game it's like a couple of years old now but we finally got around to playing a way out which is this really really cool um you know two-player co-op game and we're usually sure. looking for games that we can play together uh in co-op but uh, even when it's like a one-player experience like Last of Us, we still uh, try to experience it uh, together. Um, and, you know, when we can hear each other over the sound of the PlayStation 4 Pro, uh, you know, we like, to, <laughs> um, we like to, you know, talk to each other about, you know, what's going on in the game and, 
ooh, they, you know, just you know, sharing thoughts on the story as it's developing and and stuff like that. It's a, it's you know, it's like a horror movie. You don't, you, I, I would not be able to play a game like The Last of Us like on myself by myself in a dark room. You kind of want to have someone there with you, and I think my wife feels the same way. So we basically just kind of emotionally support each other as we as we make our way through these games. Right on. Say, I'm also playing The Last of Us Two, and I couldn't agree more. I'm not enjoying my time with it. It's almost like I'm playing it just to get it out of the way so I can go back to play Ratchet and Clank Remastered. Because <laughs> that's like happy and colorful and, and you know, in space and definitely not anywhere close to realistic with the cartoon characters and all that. Um, Gary, you're kind of getting off easy by not having the controller in your hands. Um, yeah, and that's, that, that's a conscious decision. Again, I, I played plenty of games. Uh, myself, I like to choose what I like to play. Um, my wife was really, really keen on playing this one. We were originally the plan was to um, like hand on like one like you know you play for a couple of two or three nights, uh, sorry two or three hours a night. And the plan originally was to you know kind of trade off, and like I would drive one night and she would drive the next. And uh, but my, my wife's having a really good time playing it. She's getting the hang of it now. I'm just enjoying watching her play i feel like i'm getting like a good 80 90 percent of the experience just by watching her play uh next to me again i help solve some of the environmental puzzles and mm-hmm. uh, say really useful things like look out he's behind you and it's fun it's, it's fun to play with someone else like that yeah mm-hmm. i'm i'm playing it by myself and it's <sighs> the gameplay itself is great like it gets you going it gets my heart beating i'm racing like when i'm in the midst of the battle i'm having i don't know about a good time but i'm having like a very like like I'm in it, everything is happening, I'm distracted, but then once everything quiets down, and, and maybe this is the intent by the creators, but like, it's so shockingly brutal and gross, it's like, just too much for me sometimes, like, I'm not a big fan of gore horror movies and stuff like that, like, I'll watch a suspense thriller or something, but when it's like violence just for shock value, it's, it's like a little bit too much for me sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, I, and, and you know, I'm not I'm not really far enough into it yet to know how much of that feels gratuitous um, mm-hmm. and how much feels you know on story or you know part of the environment they're trying to create because I'm I'm only like a little bit into it. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, just as I get older, I I find myself gravitating away from ultra violent games and games that have really you know you know I don't know about cynical, but like just really kind of dark you know, dystopian themes, horror games mm-hmm. have really been my cup of tea. And The Last of Us obviously is a, is a certain kind of game and it does that kind of thing exceptionally well. It's just yeah. a question, am I, am I in the right mindset to kind of appreciate everything this game has to offer? Are, are any of us? You know, I don't think, you know, after however many years, five, six, seven years of developing this game, mm-hmm. anyone at Naughty Dog uh, imagined that the game would be coming out in the middle of a real-life pandemic when everyone is really miserable and really looking for things to kind of distract them or cheer them up. Um, it remains to be seen whether or not, you know, the circumstances around which the last of us two has launched will you know, ultimately be good or bad for the way in which, you know, it's being received by players, but you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about that. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Sure. I've actually been really surprised at how much the game is geared towards exploration over I feel like it's almost a mix between a third-person action and a point-and-click adventure because of how much of the game is inspecting the environment around you and how spread apart some of the buildings are and stuff like that. Maybe, Gary, you're not far enough into it probably to 
I, I mean, I can that? tell you where we are. We're, we're, in, we're in Seattle. We're poking around in Seattle. Um, okay, yeah. I'm not going to tell, like, what's happened to our characters because I don't want to sure, sure. spoil anything. But, you know, but we're I, a good few hours into it. Certainly enough that you know. Again, when when we can when when we can be heard over the sound of the jet engine going on <laughs> yeah. under our TV, because man it's, does it push, man it does is. it push the PS4 of, and and certainly the Pro that we have like harder than anything I've ever heard. I mean, it really does feel like the PS4 is going to give up the ghost at any time. But <laughs> what's on the screen? It's probably the most beautiful looking PlayStation oh, 4 game I've I've played. It's fascinating. I remember when I first got into Seattle, I was just like crawling around in the grass just to see how it would flow around me and stuff like that. It's gorgeous. Right. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah, I've heard of that exactly. a lot. The lighting is just, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely state of the art stuff. Yeah. AJ, you have a pro too, don't you? Do you have that problem? I do. Like? Well, the, I don't notice it as much because I play with a headset. Oh, but yeah. yes, my PlayStation does get really loud. For even just playing Call of Duty, it'll rank up. <laughs> Interesting. I yeah. bought one of those. Yeah, I've had a lot of five... people say, oh, just play with a headset. And I guess that's true. And you get all the immersive audio that way anyway. But like, again, with me and my wife are playing, that's not an option. So. Oh, yeah. Good. That, then you miss out on the conversations that are that's so true. crucial to that being a good time. Right. Um, Anyway, having to do with The Last of Us 2, AJ found this story by Alasser over at CNN about the blind gamer Steve Saylor. Those of us who are kind of funny listeners will probably be familiar with him. But he had said that uh, just seeing the accessibility options at the beginning of The Last of Us Part 2 made him emotional and uh, I thought that was uh, pretty cool. I was also overwhelmed by the number of accessibility options this game had at the beginning. Yeah, that's a great transition yeah. into the news. And it's it says on here, and I'm I'm not going to list them all, but it says that there's 60 different options. And it sounds like some of them are kind of in there to start. So when you go to the menu, it just automatically starts reading it for them. And I mean, in my opinion, the more people who can play games, the better. Make them as accessible as possible. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that I really, really like is just how granular the difficulty options are. You know, I, yeah. I always like to play. I'm famous for playing everything on baby-ass mode. We're playing on very light. I'm <laughs> yeah. happy to admit that to the world. I'm not ashamed of that at oh, all. Yeah. I just want to experience the story. I don't want to have to fight the same boss 50 times in a row. Neither does my wife. Absolutely. So we like to play on with it as forgiving as possible. But what I really – I don't think I've ever seen a game do this to the same degree that uh, Last of Us Part Two does, which is rather than – those kind of you know cookie cutter you know easy medium hard whatever is how you can you can actually get into the like how much how much do you want aim assist to help you you know how much do you want you know it's like every little every little granular like act, element of like why you know, would you like us to skip puzzles for you if you get stuck like it's any any particular you can make a, a individual aspects of the game harder or, or easier to suit your um you know strengths and weaknesses which i think is great yeah I think the only game I can think of that was kind of similar to that was the last Tomb Raider game. Can you guys remember the name of it? The most recent one. Uh, you could do the same, a very similar thing. You could set it to medium difficulty, but then you could say, oh, I want the enemies to be more difficult or less difficult. And I want the puzzles to be more difficult. And that's the only time that I've noticed the difficulty be that granular, I guess. 
mm-hmm. but it is very cool and it goes above and beyond that in so many ways the color of the subtitles the how large the font is um yeah. so many colorblind yeah. options also subtitles to be more readable for ages now you can do that i like yeah. that it gives you options like to, to add on like who's talking and you know why why not give people these options like they can for turn sure. on or off whatever they want and you can play the game however you want and i'm hoping it's, it's definitely by in terms of accessibility and kind of you know kind of granular difficulty customization the game goes way beyond anything i've ever seen any other game do and i and i think i i'm hoping because it's such a big game everyone's looking at it right now that it will help move the needle in terms of more games kind of taking their cues from that and you know greater accessibility uh great you know more dialable difficulty and you know for example like I like I really struggle with puzzles. I get stuck on puzzles all the time, um, but I don't mind robust combat. So, you know, let me say, okay, yeah, I want tricky combat but easy puzzles. Like, let if, yeah. if, if the game, if the game will is 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 the kind of game that will allow me to kind of make those customizations. Great. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on that one, AJ? Um, no, I guess uh, it's cool to see Steve on in a CNN article. You know, doing yeah. work out there, like, for the good of gaming. <laughs> for sure. I think we've been noticing that more and more, uh, not just CNN, but obviously with Jason Schreier moving over to Bloomberg. Um, it's becoming a little bit more ubiquitous in news agencies rather than just the normal IGN and GameSpot and that kind of thing. So it's cool to see these things be more in the open. Heck yeah. Next on the news items, we got Cyberpunk delayed from September 17th to November 19th. I know this is a bit of old news for some of those out there, but I think this came out right after we recorded last week. So, mm-hmm. and AJ especially has a, a kind of a bummer of a story regarding that one. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I want the game to be as good as possible. I have no problem waiting for the game. The problem is, is like two weeks ago, I pulled the trigger and spent like $400 on the Cyberpunk Special Edition Xbox One X. Whereas now with this news, uh, because I don't have plans to buy the Xbox Series X, I was going to just have this Xbox One X for the next year or so, uh, enjoy Game Pass, and play Cyberpunk in September on that, thinking um, you know, by the time multiplayer comes out, I can just choose my platform for next-gen pick it up on PS5 and play it there. Well, now I'm kind of like in this boat where, you know, if it's going to, if the release date's going to coincide with PS5, which I'm planning on buying a PS5, am I now actually going to want to play it on PS5? Cause it's going to have, you know, snappy loading screens and, you know, t- ray tracing and all that jazz. So it's not that I have a problem with the game being delayed at all whatsoever, you know, take your time, get rid of crunch make the game awesome it's just now i'm kind of stuck with this xbox that i wouldn't have bought otherwise (laughs) yeah i feel you man gary were you kind of bummed about that one or are you looking forward to cyberpunk at all i mean again considering that i told you that i i I just finished playing a game that came out about two years ago it's (laughs) i'll be fine like i've got plenty of other games to play in the meantime was I am I excited about Cyberpunk and is there a good chance I want to play it day one? Sure, but like it's not the end of the world. When it, when sure. a game gets pushed back a little bit, it's you know it's a temporary problem. It's for the best. They don't make these decisions lightly. It probably will. Um, some people have speculated since it's getting pushed back closer to when the new consoles are likely to arrive. What does that mean in terms of the Series X and the PlayStation Five versions of them? 
But yeah, given that that's a game that will no doubt be at its best on a next generation console, um, I probably would. I, I'm probably going to wait anyway to play on the on what again. I'll wait to. I'll, I'll get both consoles, whether PlayStation Five or Series X offers the best experience. Experience will wait for Digital Foundry or whoever to give us the answer on that one. But yeah, I'm, sure. I, I'll, I'll wait for the next gen machine on that one. Yeah, I think I definitely will now, uh, and I'm with both of you. I if it is allows them to crunch less and still make an awesome game, take as much time as you want. We've got we all have backlogs. Um, some of us just bought those that uh, bundle from itch.io last week that has roughly 15 or 1600 games in it. So I can uh, always <laughs> dive into those, I guess, and uh, in lieu of playing a brand new game. So more power to them, I suppose. Um, then also last week we had EA play um, with Greg Miller hosted that and we saw a first look at Star Wars Squadrons gameplay, which is pretty sweet. I don't know about you guys, but I've been looking for a Star Wars dogfighting game since Jedi Starfighter on PlayStation 2, I believe, is the last one I played. So this was welcome news. Yeah, for me, my favorite part of Battlefront 2 is the space battle. So this is right up my alley. And it also sounds kind of cool that there's a little strategic planning involved where there's going to have different ships for different team members, you know, like a bomber and a fighter and an interceptor. Um, yeah. I don't know. We don't have a ton of information yet, but uh, I love Star Wars and I I love, you know, firing lasers at the enemies in space. Yeah, and I, I thought the $40 price point was pretty cool, too, because you don't see that a lot. The fight, it's I think it's going to be hard to find five people to play with on a squad unless you team up with some randos or something, but... Yeah, I'll team up with Randos. And it said something about having time to like make strategy before the game. So I'm assuming there's going to be a pregame lobby. Yeah. And then also the whole thing can be played in VR on your PSVR, which I know. that part I'm pretty excited about. Oh yeah, man. I'm super stoked about that. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I, I mean, my my history with those games goes all the way back to like X-wing and and Tie Fighter on on the PC in the early to mid nineties. And those, those are some of my favorite games. I used to play with the old Thrustmaster joystick. Um, oh, yeah. this is, this is, this is definitely one that I'll be looking at for my PC with like, you know, valve index, you know, VR. I'll, I'll drag my old flight. I've got like a flight stick and throttle in a cupboard somewhere that I'll find and oh. dust off and drag out and try to get like as much of a, you know, hardcore experience on that one as, as possible. It should be fun. Yeah. Yes. Cause you just bought one of those AJ. Didn't I you? did. I got or... one of those hostile flight, stick things for ace combat like last year so i've got a pretty good one yeah, yeah. i'm gonna have to yeah, I, I, I got one for elite dangerous a long long time ago but it's been sit- sitting in the cupboard for a while but they, they're saying they're gonna do full flight stick and throttle and vr support so if i if i get <laughs> rocking and rolling it should be pretty cool oh wow. full the throttle also huh yeah Not just yeah the directional oh that's sweet that would be a lot of fun gary did you ever play rebel assault on pc uh maybe do you remember that one oh well games all kind of <laughs> yeah they blend together after a while it was back in the day when they were still making sam and max or whatever those games were called but that was like one of the first pc or one of the first star wars games i think i ever played other than other than super star wars and that one always has brings back good men i like those um yeah 
can't remember what they were called, but I did, I did like those. And for the longest time, I've been I, I've been hoping that they would bring back uh, the Resurrect the X-Wing and TIE Fighter series in some form. And they haven't done that in name, but it's clear that this is like the spiritual successor to those old flight sims that, that people used to love. How kind of simmy it is, arcadey remains to be seen. I don't know. Uh, but the fact that they're supporting all the gizmos and particularly VR uh, and crossplay is a big deal. You say like finding five players, um, you know, given that, you know, you, you, I don't know if you're going to find like five people with like high end VR headsets and throttles in your, in your, on your friends list. But <laughs> right. uh, it's definitely the kind of, uh, to me, this is the kind of game where you're going to benefit from playing with an organized group rather than random. I mean, any game is like that, but certainly with squadrons, you know, you're going to want to coordinate your tactics or whatever. So, but the fact that it's crossplay is going to be way easier in terms of getting rounding up a group of friends who can play together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then one more good news. Uh, I'm getting this information from an article on Game Informer written up by a local guy from Minnesota, at least, Andrew Reiner. Uh, shout out, Andrew. Uh, it says it doesn't have microtransactions, which is the last good news surrounding it. Yeah, I want, hopefully it'll I mean, have DLC. I think they very, I think they very much learned their lesson from Battlefront 2. I mean, they dug themselves <laughs> deep hole that they're still, you know, on a reputational basis, crawling themselves out of now. And I think this is this this is a, a deliberate and positive move that they've made in order to try and re, re, recoup some of that ground. Hey, you know, we know you hated what we did with Battlefront 2. We fixed that. I, I get a lot of people tell me that Battlefront 2 is in much better shape than it than it was at launch. It's actually a good game now. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, launching this out, launching this and saying, hey, it's not a live service, it's a standalone game, no microtransactions, you know, there might be like a $20 DLC pack down the road or something. I mean, that's that's much more standard. But yeah, hey, you know, here's, you know, pay pay 50 cents for this stuff, for this spark plug that you're going to put in your X-Wing or whatever. Like nobody wants that. Um, right. And, you know, they, 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 they got punished so, so badly for that Battlefront 2 debacle. I think that both from a, from a from a practical sense and just from an optic optic sense that that, that was kind of a move they had to they had to make because otherwise you know I felt bad for the Battlefront two guys they did all this great well I know some of the guys that worked on the writing team they made this really really cool game um, and but it got all of that hard work got drowned out by the conversation about one particularly terrible decision they made about microtransactions that's all anyone talked about for weeks mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I felt bad for people who worked on that game because they, they you know they weren't getting the recognition they deserve for making a pretty decent game. The story was good. Um, you know, they uh, they had to they they had to do something really really aggressive, I think, to um, you know to, to again make up that kind of that that optics deficit that they had. And this is a good step in the right direction. Thank you. For sure. And I I'm really always... I really enjoyed that story from Battlefront Two. I even got the DLC when it came out. It was a lot I didn't of fun. Even know there was DLC. There's story mm-hmm. DLC for that. Yeah. Oh, cool. I might have to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I ranted a few months ago with one of our with Gabe about how I just want all. I just want so many Star Wars games. I I think the biggest downfall to uh, EA having this license for so long is that we've had so few games in the ten years that they've had ownership of this license. We've had almost nothing to play, and I think that's the biggest. Uh, downfall for them having it because i just want so many more games having to do with star wars sounds good give them the games yeah give them to me all (laughs) of them (laughs) uh do you want to talk about this nintendo one yeah well i mean i thought 
Gary, do you play Smash Brothers at all? You're not really into it, right? Oh, I, I, I mean, I have it. I dabble. My kid likes to play it. To me, we actually had a, a, a professional Super Smash Bros player on Animal Talking recently, and it was really interesting oh, cool. to ask, ask him about it because um, I was like, explain to me, what, what is it that you're seeing that I'm not seeing when I watch this game? Because when I see it, all I see is like complete chaos. But professional players are obviously able to kind of see a method in all that madness and uh, they, they know exactly what they're doing. But to me, it's like it's on another level. I, I'm not good at fighting games to begin with, but, Smash, but even when it's just like one-on-one, but when it's like Smash Bros, you've got multiple players competing and it's so fast. I'm just like, I have no idea what, you know, I just, ha- I just mash buttons. And you can get results that way against players of, you know, similar non-existent skill levels. But as soon as I play anyone who's even half decent, I'm done. So I, I love the idea behind Super Smash Bros. I think it's great. It's just not it's not a game I can ever really play. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, AJ and I actually went to a video <laughs> game conference here in many in the Twin Cities area, and we got dominated in no time at all. I think AJ, didn't you win a match? Maybe we got like kind of we got kind of strong armed into joining like an amateur Smash tournament, and yeah, uh, by the gentleman who was running it and. I, I did win a match by default because my guy didn't show up. <laughs> my opponent, oh, that's my opponent right. didn't that's show right. up, so I won a round. Yeah, and then got subsequently dominated by the next kid in the line. But... Yeah, well, the next kid was the guy who was running the tournament. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it was fun. I think it was like one of our first experiences with that game, and I, I can definitely see why people get into it, but as somebody who's not very skilled at... Uh, fighting games in general i'm with you i could do without it but it is cool the amount of content that they feed into that game um which is why we brought it up quite yeah that's quite a character today yeah min min apparently from arms i got nothing i've never played arms i don't know who min min is but there we go they announced that today and also i thought this was interesting there Per Joe Scrabbles over at IGN, they announced that Nintendo is moving away from mobile, which I just the reason I thought this was so interesting is because I recall an article. I pulled it up from when Shintaro Furukawa took over as president for Nintendo. This was just over a year ago or two years ago, I guess, May 2nd, 2018. He said that they were putting a lot of money into smartphones and games with on mobile games. So. I just thought it was interesting that here we are two years removed from that, which isn't that long, and they've already decided to withdraw a lot of support for mobile games. And I know they have some successful ones out there with the gacha games and that kind of thing, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. But I don't know if either of you guys play any of that stuff. Or Gary, does your daughter get into the mobile games? Probably not because she's probably not old enough to have a cell phone. No, she has, a, she has an iPod Touch um that we use i mean basically everything except the phone so you know it plays apple arcade and um oh cool super mario run i really liked uh i never played the uh the mario kart thing that they brought out um i actually again i thought that the way that they had i know that mario kart got got um criticized for being too microtransactiony, but i thought super mario run was was a really good way to do it you download essentially a free demo version of the game that you can play a good chunk of and then 10 bucks for the whole thing and you're done like that yeah. to me seemed like a straightforward and sensible model and the game was really good i thought you know taking a mario game and turning that into a, something that, that you know required just like one thumb touch controls 
worked really well. I was actually disappointed and surprised that it didn't do as good as as it did. And you know, may, maybe this matters less now in the age of Nintendo Switch. Like that's your mobile platform for playing games anyway. Is it really that important that these games come to the iPhone? They tried it. I'm glad they tried it. It's cool that there's a Mario game on the iPhone. If it didn't work, okay, back to back to plan A. Yeah. I think it's a lesson in human psychology right there because you can release a game with a pretty decent demo and then ask people to pay $10 and have all of the content for it and they don't want to do it. But when you come out with a game like Candy Crush and you slowly feed people like, oh, well, you can pay 99 cents for three more lives and then (laughs) do that over and over and over again, people spend an insane amount of money without even realizing it. But if you ask them for $10 straight up, they're just like, no, thanks. So I don't know. It's just interesting. I've said many, I've said many, many times the 99 cent and free app economy has completely and utterly demolished all sense of, of, of comparative value. Like, you, you you don't really think anything of spending like three four dollars on a on a coffee at Starbucks. Most people don't, but right. like three dollars for an app, you kind of go, ooh, that's a bit pricey. Exactly. You, for a video game, yeah. Um, it's it's very it's very very strange. Like we just don't. Uh, even though you know the the development costs and every you know the, the amount of time it can go into making like a really big mobile game, a lot of them aren't cheap. Um, but and yet we don't we we don't think of them as like quote-unquote real games the same we do ones that are on dedicated platforms even though there are a ton of games on mobile that are just as hardcore as as you know anything you'll play on switch or playstation or whatever um yeah. so I, it's a perception issue uh the, the, the like i said the 99 anything more than 99 cent feels feels like spending serious money on a mobile game which is weird to me i think apple arcade and xbox game pass are the two best values uh in gaming right now you know five bucks a month for all those games is pretty you never have to worry about download you know paying to download another game again you know you'll never get hit up on in-game purchases or anything like that i think apple has done a great job of kind of i don't don't know how well they're doing with apple arcade i don't know how many subscriptions they have but five bucks a month for that many games and they all and they're all curated to a degree that you're pretty much guaranteed that you know they're all at least high whether or not they're for you who knows but like they're all really good games they've all been pre-vetted by apple's team um like grind like grindstone was one of my favorite games of last year and there's still like a bunch that i've downloaded that I haven't even got around to playing right now, but there's a ton of really good stuff on Apple Arcade. You know, across it all works on Apple TV, on your Mac, on your iPod or iPad, whatever you've got. Um, I, I, I think it's terrific. I love I, I, Apple Arcade did a great job of like, you know, just just simplifying the you know the the mobile game economy. Five bucks a month, all you can eat, done. Yeah. And I, I like how it's curated also. I've been seeing some reviews. I saw a review for a 2D platformer. I can't recall the name of it, but it looked pretty fantastic as a person who's very fond of 2D platformers. And it's cool to just have it, like you said, uh, for five bucks a month. You can certainly find something to play on there. Hey, it's worth it yeah. uh, just for Cat Quest alone. <laughs> Cat Quest, yeah. yeah. Cat, Cat Quest was one of the games that we were playing, and it's great. You like Cat Quest? Yeah, it's fun. Oh, I love Cat Quest. <laughs> all the funny, oh. all the, the the funny puns. I like the writing a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's good. There's there's a, there's really a ton of good games on on Apple Arcade. For sure, um, Gary. While we're talking about Nintendo associated mobile apps, have you tried to use the Pokemon Smile with your daughter at all yet? 
Yeah, she likes it. It's, it's uh, as I, I said on a on a on a podcast with Greg Miller the other day. Getting kids uh, uh, around the age of my daughter, getting them to brush their teeth on the regular, is always a challenge. But she loves yeah. Pokemon. It does a very good job of um, you know encouraging and rewarding you with like Pokemon rewards and stuff. So that's really cool. And then the jump rope challenge thing that they put out on Switch has been great as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've tried. We've tried to get that to work the coordination is a little bit difficult but um i my son turns three next week and last night was the first time he's ever cried when i made him stop brushing his teeth and i that's all i can say about the pokemon smile thing because he loves squirtle like on top of his head and he just loves it so much and he was upset that he had to stop brushing his teeth wow yeah and it, it normally, man, it's my least favorite thing about putting that kid to bed. I know everybody wants to hear my parenting stories, but my least favorite thing is having to have him brush his teeth. It's a battle all the time, every single night. It's just torturous. But so anything to help, I'm I'm game. Next in the most latest news that we have here is Microsoft apparently is shutting down Mixer to join with Facebook Gaming. Yeah, this is huge news. Sad news, yeah, why don't you, for me at least. Why don't you tell us about it, AJ? I can tell you a little bit about it. I don't know a ton <laughs> of the details because it's really brand new. It was just um, coming out. The news was just coming out about an hour or two before uh, we started recording this. Basically what's happening is Microsoft is partnering with Facebook and moving, basically just moving the entire Mixer streaming platform over to Facebook Gaming. Um, and I don't know a lot about Facebook gaming cause to be a hundred percent honest, I've never actually been to their streaming platform. It, to me, it's just kind of sad because I liked Microsoft having their own like verse Twitch thing. Um, even though myself, I didn't really use Mixer a lot. A couple things to note on here. If you are like partnered with Mixer, they're transferring all that over for the streamers. So, like, you will be, like, partnered, whatever whatever the equivalent of partnered is, on Facebook Gaming. You'll have that there. Um, and then one other important thing to note is that any viewers who have subscriptions or, like, any kind of money tied up into anything inside of Mixer will get Xbox gift cards for, like, anything that they have purchased, which I guess is pretty cool. But I don't know, uh, Gary. What do you think about this? Because I know that you do a lot of streaming. Is this good for streaming or bad or or what? <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people are still just kind of in shock right now, and it's too early to figure out like what this what this really means. I mean, I stream on Twitch. I never really considered going to Mixer because you know it's not it's, it's a much smaller thing. I was kind of hopeful that Mixer would do well because competition is good for everyone, right? If Mixer is kind of nipping at Twitch's heels. It, it forces Twitch to be more competitive and come up with better features and, you know, and do work with their community more. There's a lot of conversations going on right now, uh, just in these past few days about like how these platforms are or more, more, more likely aren't protecting their community from trolls mm. and abuse and harassment and things like that. All of those, all of these platforms need to do a better job. Um, and, you know, the, the worry is that with less competition, Twitch, is more likely to be able to kind of just sit back and go, ah, oh, well, you know, we don't have to try that hard because there's no real competition in this space. YouTube gaming is out there, you know, Facebook gaming is out there, but Mixer was a big one as well. 
And it was uh, potentially was interesting to see how Mixer was going to integrate it into Series X. It, I'm sure it would have been a big part of being baked into that. I wonder if I wonder if they're now having to like reverse engineer a bunch of Mixer shit out of the Series X UI because it's no, it's not going to be relevant anymore. Who knows? Oh, yeah. It's kind of late today. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think about now. that. Yeah, but because um, I imagine it would, it would be like really baked in. Uh, that's not going to be the case now. Uh, it, I mean, I don't. It just seems like this came out of nowhere. I saw a lot of pictures this morning of like Mixer streamers live on their stream, realizing they're being discovering the news that their world is coming to an end. And it's like I see a lot of sad wow. faces out there. I think you know Microsoft could maybe have handled. I mean, how do you do it? Like, how do you announce it at a point where there aren't a bunch of people on Mixer finding it in real time? Right? It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but it, it seems like it came out of nowhere. Um, Ninja getting paid out his full thirty million. It says here for three hundred. I know. Streaming is pretty amazing. Pretty great deal when you think about it for Ninja and Mixer. Oh, they basically have to go on vacation for a year, stream in front of a much smaller audience, get paid. The, you know, Ninja gets paid his thirty million bucks. Now he gets go. Now he gets to go back to Switch. Like it never. Like nothing ever happened except he just made thirty million bucks. Great. Exactly. Great for people like him. Much obviously really sucky for people who were in the process of building an audio on Mixer, or really they did, maybe they just like the community better, or the you know the I, I never went over there, so I never really did the compare and contrast. But Mixer was was like home to a lot of people. I don't know, like not a lot of people because obviously not enough, but like many people today are absolutely gutted. And you know this this happens anytime a live service shuts down, and you know whether it's you know a, an MMO or whatever, people that are used to congregating in that space feel like a piece of their life just got taken away because they don't get to congregate in that space anymore. So my heart goes out to everyone today, both, both streamers and audience members, community members on Mixer who went there and, and loved it, and now it's going to be taken away from them through no fault of their own. Um, as I tweeted out earlier this morning, I do hope that, that, that everyone who's on Mixer will look really, really, really hard at their other options. Twitch obviously is the big player in the space. YouTube gaming does a lot of, you know, doing more and more of this live streaming stuff. Consider anything before going to Facebook gaming, because I, I just personally believe that Facebook is it's just an absolutely egregious uh, company that actively makes our world a worse place every single day. And, and the idea that everyone on Mixer will just happily go over to Facebook uh, gaming as though nothing happened, I think is I, I, I think a lot of people are going to be in for a shock in terms of what what that conversion rate is going to be. Some will go because I think it might just be the easiest, most convenient way to kind of transplant their existing community over to a new home. But like a lot of people are like me and not, would not be seen dead on Facebook. And uh, I mean, I, I still, I still post on the site on a personal page, but my, if you go check my page, it's mostly just to post articles about how much Facebook sucks. And I should have <laughs> off of it. That's mostly what I use it for. Kind of like fighting the enemy from within. I, I, I think Facebook's an absolutely appalling company and I've turned down opportunities to work with them in the past because I just think they're, you know, the, the, their lack of engagement with, um, you know, working to combat hate speech and, and you know, the, the way that these radicalized groups, you know, metastasize online because Zuckerberg just has no interest in, in fixing this problem um, if it doesn't impact his bottom line. Uh, I, I, you know, not, not everyone has the luxury that I have. I stream for fun rather than for, um, for profit, for, for income. So it's very easy for me to say, oh, I would never go over there. A lot of people now who are suddenly they realizing they were building a brand, a community, a business on Mixer may now be forced to think, well, going over to Facebook is the only way to really kind of hold on to what I have built in some form or another. They might not have the luxury of saying, well, I'll just start all over again on Twitch 
or on YouTube or whatever. Not everyone's going to have that luxury. But for anyone who does, I really do encourage everyone uh, who has options to exhaust every possible option before considering going to Facebook gaming. Like we should not be supporting that company in any way, shape or form. Yeah, you basically already answered this, but my 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 next question was going to be: We're worried about these companies controlling harassment and and all this stuff. Well, it going to Facebook does not give me confidence that it's going to get better, at least over there, because they refuse to control any of their content. It seems. I mean, I, I, right? I mean, I don't know how much you've been following the news, but right as the 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 gaming and the streaming world is dealing with a big outpouring of people coming forward, dealing with harassment and abuse and there's a big conversation going on right now about how um community like, like platforms like twitch and youtube need to be doing a better job of, of dealing with this kind of stuff today's the day of all times that, that mixer says hey let's move everyone over to facebook which is like yeah. the platform on the internet no well i guess there's a lot to be seen with what happens i hope everyone lands on their feet we got one more news story that's not as much of a downer, and yeah. today <laughs> we'll we'll go into that. I uh, just I guess we'll just touch on this um, before I want to talk to Gary a little bit about animal talking, and then we'll get into our most normal question. But uh, Gear, Crash Bandicoot Four, they released their first gameplay today, which is pretty cool. You can um, there's an article written up by Jonathan Dorbush on IGN if you're interested. Uh, I played Crash Bandicoot back in the day on PlayStation, so, I mean, I'm for it. I'm not, like, ch- champing at the bit for Crash Bandicoot, but I'll play it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not, I never played one, man. And uh, I don't know how I got away with never playing one, but uh, did they all come out on PlayStation 1, or were they in between PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2? I think they were just between the the first and the second one. I don't think they ever made it to three. I know that they did like all those remakes and stuff, and now you can get them on Switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I having never played them, I guess, and I just watched the trailer today. I just don't really have much of a affinity for it, I guess, and it doesn't look like, even though I do love all platform games whether they be 2d or 3d it just doesn't there's something about it that just doesn't appeal to me at all so i'm happy to say i guess i'm gonna be skipping this one i think right on gary how about you you have anything to say about crash bandicoot 4 it's not my cup of tea i was working in the games industry when it first came out and i i think my initial reaction to it was the same as it, it is like 20 something years later like i get it it's the 90s. Everything's got to have attitude. You're launching a platform. There's Mario. There's Sonic. You've got to have your, you know, um, uh, you know cutesy, uh, but edgy <laughs> avatar as well. So here's, you know, the focus tested, marketing approved Crash Bandicoot. And I just, I just never thought he was cool. It always seemed like kind of the poochie of the video game universe to me. I know the games have been successful and people like them. And so here's the latest version. I think the, um, the the games may well be very very good from a game design standpoint. Obviously, it has a great pedigree. I think I, they, they just like the vibe, the aesthetic, the character just never you know made me want to play it. I think the most I ever played it was when you ended up playing like five minutes of it as as part of Uncharted Four. Remember that? Yeah. That's like, that's like the only time I ever really played Crash. I think. hundred <laughs> percent. I forgot about that. That was an awesome little Easter egg in that game. <laughs> yeah, and I think my most. Uh, exposure to Crash Bandicoot was the PlayStation commercials from back in the day when he was 
Do you remember those when he would stand out with like a billboard or whatever? And he was what he was oh, like, yeah, 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 calling out Mario or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that, like that, all that I, turn out. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> and, Ma- and, Mar- and Mario was never heard from again. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He was too scared to come out apparently, but uh, yeah, here he is again. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I guess we'll take it. That's funny. Well, Gary, we've got uh, something called the Mostly Normal Question coming up. It's just a fun little thing. And then we got an outro. But before we got to there, I wanted to give you a chance to tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Animal Talking, which is a talk show set inside of Nintendo's Animal Crossing game. Uh, I know you've done a lot about it, so I don't know if you want to just give us the the elevator pitch and and maybe what, what we can expect that's coming up. Um, yeah, we've, um, you know, you can, if you, you can just type animal talking into Google and there will be a bunch of different like press stories and things that have been written about it. But yeah, basically short story. I was playing animal crossing new horizons on my switch was really, really enjoying it. And, uh, at some point hit upon the idea of trying to recreate a kind of tonight show style talk show set in the basement of my house. It looked really, really great. It looked good enough that we kind of wanted to like try it. We shot a pilot episode of kind of a talk show inside the game. Um, and it's since kind of got viral and been really popular. And now we have like big celebrity guests. You know, we've had Elijah Wood, Daddy Trejo, uh, Felicia Day, T-Pain have all come on the show. We have musical guests. We have stand-up comedy. It all gets, it all gets broadcast live uh, via Twitch. And then you can kind of watch it on demand on, on YouTube after the fact. And um, this week, the day after tomorrow, Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., twitch.tv slash Gary uh, we will be out with the um, newest version, uh, season two premiere. We've got Sting. Uh, performing on the show. Uh, I still don't know how we, how we manage that. Kevin Smith's going to be on the show. Uh, we've got a lot of, oh, we've got a lot of really good, every, everything about this season is bigger and better than the last one. So I'm really excited to, uh, to get the, get the new, get the new show on the road. That's unbelievable. I can't wait to see Sting perform. Oh yeah. Wait, wait, wait until you see his avatar. It looks really cute. All right. <laughs> I'm looking That's forward awesome. to it. Oh man. I guess that brings us to our mostly normal question of the day or of the week. I, I found a pretty good one for this week. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it and then I'll answer it first to give you guys a chance to think about what your answers were. But it's going to be if money and practicality were not a problem, what would be the most interesting way to get around town? So I, I took uh, practicality to include like things that don't exist in real life could still be viable. So my, I have two answers, actually. Um, my first way to get around town, uh, if practicality were, and money were not an issue, is just a dragon. I want to just fly, like put a saddle on my dragon and fly it to work. <laughs> I don't know enough. what you feed it or anything, but you don't have to think about that, right? It's That's not an issue into this question. <laughs> yeah, I guess how to feed it would be practical. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. Um and then my one other thing I think that would be really cool is a snow speeder, like from Hoth. Oh, that'd be badass. Yeah, they can't really like fly into space or anything, but you know you can get high enough off the ground where traffic would not be an issue, and they're yeah. just insanely fast and they sound really cool too. Like like everyone would be able to hear you coming <laughs> back <Yeah>. to town. <laughs> like an anti gravity land speeder thing would be fucking sweet. Yeah. Like in the Return of the Jedi, that'd be pretty cool. Gary, you got an answer for this one off the top of your head? Did you say around town? 
Yeah, just around town to work, whatever commute would, you uh, have. I would, a, I would take it back to the future too, hoverboard. That would be good enough for me. Ooh, that's a go. good one. Nice. As much as you say, like the practice, like take the practicality out of it. I can't do that immediately, completely. I'm like, with the snow speeder, I'm already thinking, like, yeah, but where do you park it? Like, the nice <laughs> thing about hoverboard is you can just, like, you know, carry it around under your arm until you're ready to go someplace again. True. Very true. And um, they look really cool. Yeah. Yeah, my my first, as usual, my brain pops to usually either a Seinfeld or South Park episode, so I immediately thought of a rickshaw uh, driven by Kramer as... <laughs> my like way to get around town i don't know if either of you are seinfeld fans but that's a callback to an old school seinfeld episode where they decide to and it gets stolen by a couple of homeless people um if you ever go to san diego or whatever during a during a convention then you're going to end up doing a ride like that because they have those those little pedicab drivers that that are basically like little rickshaws they they um except they're on a bike they'll they'll they'll, they'll cycle you around and you're in a little you're in a little, um, a little kind of trailer that they drag around on their bike. That would be enough reason for me to go to San Diego Comic-Con I, right there. I, I think. rode one of those out of a Vikings game one time. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it was like 10 bucks or something. He, were he you drunk? Us. No, no. We were, oh. we were, I was pretty young. Oh, right on. But yeah, he, he drove us to our parking garage. Cool. Cool. <laughs> oh, man. Well... Awesome. Everybody, that does it for our show today. Thank you, listeners, so much for joining the podcast this week. Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to do it. I guess this is uh, your chance one more time to let the people know where they can find you on Twitter, on Twitch, to follow Animal Crossing. Where do they find you? Um, uh, Most of my socials are just my name, Gary Witta, G-A-R-Y-W-H-I-T-T-A. That's where I am on Twitter. That's where I am on Twitch. The only thing that's slightly different is on YouTube, I'm Gwitter, so youtube.com slash G-W-H-I-T-T-A. That's where you go to find uh, all the Animal Talking archives right there. Awesome. And you still do some regular streaming as well on uh, Twitch. Uh, Do you still have your bubble machine? Um, I haven't used that in a while because, frankly, it was getting like – I got tired of like trying to clean all the bubble residue out of the keyboard because it it makes everything really sticky. Um, but yeah, I still do regular, I, you know, animal talking and animal crossing streaming has kind of taken over my, my channel for the most part, but I still do occasionally just do like just chatting, you know, whenever I feel like kind of bloviating, um, I will, uh, you'll, you'll probably find me on there at some point this week, actually, cause I got a new microphone and a new camera and I'm kind of just kind of playing around with some of the new toys. Awesome. Um, Hey John, how about you? Where can people find you? I am at Johnny Samsonite on Twitter. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at AJ underscore ID. That's E-I-D-E. Once again, if you want to contribute to the content, you can send emails to podcast at MostlyNormalGamers.com. Follow us on Twitter at MNGamersPodcast. Lastly, sign up for our emailing list at MostlyNormalGamers.com. Also, there's a nice picture of John on there if you want to go see what his face looks like. Uh, That's it for our show today. Uh, Now, go play games. Huzzah! Bye! Bye!